Well, this morning, you picked a great day to come to church. I mean, know every day is a great day to come to church, but you picked a great day to come to church this morning uh, because we are blessed with some awesome special guests, Dr. Ron and Marion Johnson. Uh, they are the pastors of Living Stones Church in Crown Point, Indiana. Uh, Dr. Ron has a doctorate of theology from Regent University. I told the first service, I love hanging out with him because he's a really smart guy. And I always feel smarter when I'm hanging out with him. I'm like, man, I really know something when I'm hanging out with this guy. It's really cool. He is an amazing guy, and him and Miss Marion just have such a heart for the gospel. They're leading an amazing church. And for many of you know uh, Samantha, or Sammy as we call her, uh, years ago when she graduated high school, she went to Crown Point, Indiana, went to Bible college at their church, uh, and was able to be groomed and mentored under them for a year, and just a great experience. And we love them very, very much. Uh, and they are just doing an amazing job leading the local church. We really believe the local church is the hope of the world. Amen? Uh, the, the hope of the nation is not in, in Washington. Come on, somebody. It, it's right here in the local church. This is where real change happens, and this is the hope of our nation. And Dr. Ron and Marion did an amazing job when COVID hit uh, in, in, in India and hit our nation, of course, and hit the world. Uh, they really just made a decision. Hey, we're going to continue to reach out. And we're going to continue to touch people with the gospel. We're going to keep making room, as we sung about this morning, for people to gather together and worship the Lord. And they saw an amazing thing. When most churches were declining and pulling back, their church since 2020 has went from 500 in average attendance to over 1,500 in average attendance on Sunday mornings. And so they have tripled in size in the last several years, and they are doing an amazing job just navigating that growth, caring for people, loving people, and continually creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to work and to move in people's lives, and what a blessing that is. Uh, they shared with us last night at our Marriage Alive uh, little conference, and we had an amazing time, and uh, today you're going to be blessed as he brings the word of the Lord. So let's stand to our feet, give him a great big Alabama welcome this morning. Love you. Man, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you all for your love and hospitality. My lovely bride and I have been having a great time. We decided to drive down here and just enjoy the beauty of the season and uh, exhale for a little bit. Had a great time with your leaders yesterday morning. Great time dancing the night away last night. Come on, that was awesome. And uh, love being with all three of your uh, gatherings today. God's doing a great thing here. And uh, we love your pastors. I thank you for letting me steal Pastor Keith a couple weeks back. After Band of Brothers, I might I want to give a quick little commercial as well that, that the uh, Flourish Conference for the ladies in our network is coming up. That's April, isn't it, babe? Yeah. So April, we hope you all head north, come up to Yankee Country up there. Uh, I guess I would just, if I was wearing my jersey next week, in fact, we planned, I told my wife, we planned this wrong. You all are going to eat wings and everything next week. What were we thinking? We should have we planned that out a little bit better. I could have worn my Notre Dame jersey, although, although I don't think I would wear it because Notre Dame gets beat all the time by, by uh, Alabama, so we ain't going to go there. But anyway, we are going to go on, on a good follow-up to what Pastor Keith has been preaching. And you guys have been in a series, I understand, called Choose Life. How many of you got blessed by that series? I got blessed by a portion of that series uh, when Pastor Keith shared a, a couple weeks ago in our, in our congregation. But I want to see how good you, how good of listeners you guys were. I'm going to tell you the first part of the of the message. You tell me the last part. You were encouraged to choose life and to choose faith over. Fear. All right, you got to do a little bit better. Now choose faith over. Fear. All right, choose prayer over. Word. Word. Oh, first service nailed it, you guys. 
You didn't get it. Prayer, it, it starts with a P. Panic, all right? Prayer over panic. All right, let's see if you guys can redeem yourselves on the third one. Wisdom over worry. Come on, there you go. Wisdom over worry. The bottom line is, how many know God has given us choices? He tells us, he sets before us life and death. And then he says, choose life. And I wish we could just choose one time. But how many of you know you got to make choices all throughout your life? Every, how many of you know you make choices today? And your choices yesterday don't matter about what you're doing today. There's fresh choices to be made today. And I want to follow up on that series by talking about life-giving relationships and four critical choices that we have to make if we're going to have life-giving relationships. Let's start on uh, uh, this morning on Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 9. You can follow along on the screen. It says, sweet friendships refresh the soul, awaken our hearts with joy, for good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. How many of you have figured out you need relationships in your life? That's why uh, solitary confinement is only a punishment if you hate being alone, and, uh, and we all hate to be alone. We need each other. Have you figured that out? We need each other. And I want you to see something powerful. Look at what this verse says. When we have life-giving relationships, our souls are refreshed. Have you ever been with people that you love and you come away feeling refreshed? Amen. By the way, that should happen every single Sunday when you all get together and throughout the week when you get together. How about secondly here, life-giving relationships fill our hearts with joy. When you're around people that love the Lord and people who love you, uh, you come away with a sense of joy on the inside. They just brighten your day. And I love this last one, life-giving friendships bring us into God's presence. When you hang out with toxic people, you felt like you just came out of hell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when you hang out with holy people, with Jesus-loving people, you literally feel like you've just been in the presence of the Lord. That's the beauty of life-giving relationships. Now, Pastor Keith was sharing about just the remarkable things that's been happening in our church, and I just want to say loudly and clearly, uh, we're just in a fresh season. We haven't really been doing anything different. We've just been being ourselves. And how many of you know sometimes when you're being yourself, you go through difficult times, you're in valleys, and other times God, God promotes you and you find yourself on a mountaintop. But the key thing is just to keep loving Jesus and keep being consistent. So we've been in a crazy season of growth, and I just want to share this with you all by way of encouragement because I know God is moving here. Wherever the word of the Lord is preached and wherever there's a healthy environment, a healthy culture with life-giving relationships, you're going to find the presence of God and you're going to find people being transformed. So how many of you know we're going to keep growing and reaching and loving people till Jesus comes? And I really believe this. America is so ripe for a great move of God. The Bible says that as the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and it's going to be like a woman uh, getting ready to give birth. The, the birth pain is going to intensify, the contractions are going to intensify, and there's going to be a shaking going on. How many of you have figured out when a shaking is going on, you're looking for somewhere that's not shaking? And the only place on planet Earth that's not shaking and unshakable is the church of Jesus Christ. So when people come into this atmosphere, they need to sense the presence of God. That's what our worship team does, right? We, we set the stage. We worship the Lord. We create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is welcoming. Can I just let you know something? I share this with our people all the time. There's only one thing we can bring a God who has everything. I want to ask this, this question hypothetically. What do, you, what, do you, what do you bring to offer a God who has no needs? It's a good question, isn't it? 
Ready for this? You bring your enjoyment of him, which is what worship is. Worship just means to bow down and to kiss the hand. I mean, you know, when we worship, we're expressing our great love, our adoration, our, this is a great word, enjoyment of God. And when we enjoy God, he gets the glory and he brings his presence and we get blessed, all right? So people are going to be flocking to churches like Liberty uh, because they're hungry for God and they're looking for something solid. And can I just tell you something? When they show up, we better be able to deliver the goods. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, they're looking for folks that are different, which is why relationships matter. There should be something about the way we love each other in this place that is just radically different from what's going on out there. And, you know, our church is a hugging church. And I love it because most of the places you go in the world, they're not hugging people. Like you don't, you know, walk into your accountant's office and they're running out to hug you. You know, they don't do that. You don't walk into the Walmart, they might greet you, but they're not going to run up and give you a big old hug and say, we've missed you, so glad you came back, all right? Even Chick-fil-A says it's our pleasure, but they don't hang out the window and give you a hug and kiss on the cheek. So I always love it at our church because people just get ambushed by the love of God. You know, they walk in, they're kind of a little bit stiff, and all of a sudden, welcome! And especially the guys, they're freaking out a little bit, like, oh my gosh, I just got hugged. But if they keep coming back, they just end up getting melted by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want. We love it when the, when the worship's going on and you look out and people who have never encountered God before or just have tears rolling down their cheeks. That's what I'm talking about, delivering the goods. People are going to be hungry for God. And I believe they're going to come to churches like Liberty. They're going to sense the love. They're going to sense the presence. They're going to sense the word. They're going to sense hope and encouragement and the power of God to transform people's lives. That's what, that's what we bring, amen, every week. That's what, that's what our assignment is, to bring the glory of God. Now, let me talk a little bit about relationships here. When I talk about friendships, you know, invariably on Sunday morning, when your pastor is preaching to you, you're going you're to have the opportunity either to listen and apply it to yourself, or you're going to be thinking about who really needs to hear this word. Now, I mean, you know, the latter is not very effective. Like when they're preaching a message on marriage and you're elbowing your spouse, you're missing the whole point, all right? So I found this to be true with friendships. I, I know there are people who are like, well, pastor, you know, I just came to church and I, I don't have any friends. No, nobody invites me out. How come I don't get invited here? How come I don't get it? And this is what I always challenge those people. Quit waiting for somebody to be your friend and start being somebody else's friend. I mean, you know, you got to be proactive with your life. And I found this to be true. The most life-giving people have the most friends. The people who suck the life out of you don't have any friends. So we have a choice either to be life-giving, to be encouraging, to be, to be somebody that when people come in contact with me, they leave feeling better about themselves, or we can be life-sucking, blood-sucking ticks where, nobody, where people run from you. How many of you know that's not God's will for your life, all right? He wants you to be a life-giver. And so I want to confront you with four choices today, uh, four critical choices in terms of being life and involved in life-giving relationships. Here's the first one, if you're taking notes. Here's the first one. Choice number one, are you going to go alone through life, or are you going to choose to be connected with other people? Are you going to be isolated, or are you going to be disconnected? Now, how many of you have been hurt in a relationship before? Wave at me if that's you, all right? How many of you have been hurt in a church relationship before? Wave at me if that's you. Let me just pop everybody's bubble. How many of you know when you come to church, this is not like the Hall of Fame for the most spiritual people? 
Like you just walk around going, wow, all pro, you know, Hall of Fame, perfect career. When you come to church, everybody at church has one thing in common. We're all messed up. We're all broken. In fact, we tell people that when they come to our, our, our new believers class, our starting point class, I just tell everybody, I know something about all y'all. Everybody shares something in common. You're all messed up. And everybody kind of laughs, and, and then it kind of lets the air out of the room because what we're trying to tell people is this is a hospital for sick people. Remember when Jesus said he was being sarcastic with the Pharisees? They said, you know, who do you think you are? Look at you. are hanging out with sinners. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, I, I didn't come for you all. I just came for hurting, broken, sick people. Well, how many of you know the Pharisees were sick people, but they were too arrogant and too proud to recognize it? Jesus came for people who know that they're broken. Amen. And that's what happens. So here's, here's the truth. You're going to be hurt. So here's your choice. Either we're going to deal with hurt the way Jesus deals with it, and we're going to press through, or we're going to retreat into our shell. You're also going to be confronted with this issue. I'm busy. I don't have time for relationships. You know, I just made a plea. We just started our life groups, and I said, hey, you all need to help me pastor you better. I can't know every single person's name, and I can't personally touch every single person in the church. But I need you all to be involved in one of our life groups or small groups because I care about you, and I want you to be pastored, and I don't want you to fall through the cracks. In other words, I need you to make time for connection. Because I care about you, and I love you, and I want to pastor you well, but I can't do it all myself. And so some people just say, you know, I'm too busy. I don't have time for this. But let me encourage you. One of the devil's secrets is to get us too busy, too hurt, so that we are alone and we're isolated. How many of you have figured out you're no good by yourself? I know that. I am my worst person by myself. I need other men in my life to challenge me. I need my wife in my life. I need companionship. I need love. I need support. And if you remember that guy that was so demonized in the Bible, it says the devil would drive him to isolated places. In fact, that's where he was. He was in a, a graveyard tormented by demons. I know people that, again, have cut themselves off from relationships because you've been hurt and you're in a place of torment. There might be some of you here this morning, you're tormented. The very thing you need is right here in this room. You need to open your life up and let people in to your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal or a friend loves all the time. They're consistent, they're dependable. And a brother is born in a time of need. How many of you know you need people who are willing to walk into your life when everybody else is walking out of your life? And those are the times when you're hurting. Those are the times when maybe everybody's given up on you. Those are the lowest points in your life. Those are the times when you need genuine friends. And I just want to say this. Over all the years I've been pastoring, uh, the people who are in our leadership team now are people who have walked with us the longest and who have been not only through the, through the mountaintop times, but they stuck with us through the valleys. Because how many of you know in life you're going to have both situations? Who are the people that have been in your life at your most difficult time? Who are the people who are calling you up and investing in your life when nobody else is? Those are the people that are your true friends, and Lord knows we need them. I love this quote, a friend will see you through when others are convinced you're through, all right? We need people that can see the potential in us and keep believing in us, maybe when it's not our best day. You all familiar with Solomon, Ecclesiastes, he says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, 
but two standing back to back can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So here's the question. If you, if you want to choose to connect with people and not go through life alone, what do you do? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you, how do you connect with people? Well, look at what the Bible says. This is an important passage of Scripture, and this is one we relied on during the whole COVID season when, when everybody was telling you, stay home, you know, watch TV, um, watch your pastor on TV, right, doing the old online thing. Well, you know how weird it is for the pastor to be watching the pastor on TV? That's weird. And I just got to tell you, after about three weeks of watching myself on TV, I'm like, I had this. And then we had my kids, we had my grandkids, the dog. I mean, we're all trying to focus in, and I just quickly realized I'm not anointed enough to keep everybody's attention when a circus is going on in my basement, all right? So look at what Hebrews tells us to do. This is important. This is not the time, the Bible says, to pull away and neglect meeting together. So if you want to be connected, you have to meet together. You got to be in the same room. You got to be in the same building. You got to be sharing your lives together. It says, don't pull away. Now is not the time to pull away. Now is not the time to neglect meeting together, as some have formed a habit of doing. Because we need each other. I'm going to say that again, and you can give me an amen. Because we need each other. In fact, the Bible says we should come together even more frequently. And here's what you do when you come together frequently. You're looking, in fact, you're eager to encourage and you're eager to urge each other onward. Now, this is so important. Every one of you should try to get to church early and you should have one focal point. Here's what you should be asking the Holy Spirit. Who in this church this morning needs me to encourage them, love on them, smile, give them a hug and connect with them? Now, in the early days of our ministry, we had a funny time. In fact, it wasn't funny when it happened. It was awkward, but we had the person stand up and give a thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. God is ticked with all of you. In fact, he's showing me a picture, a vision of a giant toilet bowl. And God wants to flush y'all down the toilet. I mean, you know, it's hard to recover in that church service when someone gives an encouraging word like that. And I had to get up afterwards and try to, uh, you know, direct the flow of the service. Now, can I just tell you, that was not the Holy Spirit at all. The Holy Spirit is not mad at you. The Holy Spirit's goal is not to flush you down God's giant toilet bowl. This is good news. When you all come to church, it's not to get beat up. When someone has a word, it's not to destroy you. There's two things that need to happen when we come together. You are encouraged, breathing life and encouragement into you. And look at you are urged to move forward, onward, not backwards. If you leave church and you're discouraged and you're ready to retreat, I mean, that was a bad Sunday morning. We come to be encouraged and we come to be urged Onward. In other words, don't you dare retreat. Let's move into God. Let's take new ground. Let's move forward in faith. Are you with me? So how do you, if you're choosing to go with people, how do you get connected? you got to meet together. So I encourage you pastorally, make Sunday morning a priority. Make your small group time a priority. Stay connected with God's people. I believe he's getting ready to do something really, really awesome. Let me move on quickly. Look at number two. The second choice is the choice to be counterfeit or the choice to be real. 
the choice to be a counterfeit or the choice to be real. How many of you know Jesus had life-giving words to everybody except one group of people? Church folk. Well, they were Pharisees. How many of you know the word Pharisee and hypocrite are synonymous in most of our minds? In other words, when people out there condemn people here, usually they call us hypocrites. And what they mean is the person you are at work and the person you are at church are miles apart. And I know it. So why would I want to be a part of your all's gathering when you're just as wicked as I am? It's a good question, isn't it? Now, lest you think Jesus was just giving group hugs all the time and, and uh, patting people on the back, why don't we go to the Bible and see what Jesus had to say about Pharisees? It ain't pretty. In fact, it kind of hurts. Check this out. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 through 28. You're hopeless. <laughs> wow. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun, while the insides are maggoty. Wow, what a picture. Inside, you're full of maggots with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisee, scour the insides, and then the gleaming surface will actually mean something. Look at what he says in verse 27. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, you bunch of frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped, and the flowers bright, but six feet down is all rotting bones and worm-eating flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Thank you, Jesus, for that encouraging message. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus didn't pull any punches with religious folks. Because here's why. They were keeping people away from the kingdom. They looked all pretty. They had all the rules. But Jesus saw through all the outside and the veneer and all the polish. And he said, on the inside, it's really ugly. It's full of maggots, rotting flesh, dead bones. Oh, he says, this is, this is your total frauds, he said. You know, I was... One of the things we, we really try to encourage at our church, based on the fact that we're broken, is authenticity. How I many you know people value real people? And when we do our encounter weekends, we have a lot of our leaders share. And I never will forget, my daughter went to, to the women's encounter one time. She was still in high school. I said, how'd you enjoy the women's encounter? Serious as can be, she came home. She said, Dad, it was awesome. But she said, I never realized how totally messed up our women leaders were. And I started laughing like she was shocked because here's the beauty of it. We're all messed up at some degree, but if we just put on the makeup or the facade, we just keep all the junk on the inside. But it's amazing when you realize everybody's that way, then you can be honest about your stuff. And how many of you figured out, like, like men, do any of you men have, have problems with anger? Okay, good. I see a few hands. Because I would basically say, okay, about 90% of you are, are liars. Okay. So, so here's, here's what my mom and dad found out doing marriage class. They find out when one guy brave enough, or maybe his wife spills the beans, brave enough to say, I got an anger problem. And he feels like he's the only man on the whole planet that's got an anger issue. And then you go, okay, how many other men in here deal with anger? The devil's biggest lie is to, is to make you feel like you're an exceptionally awesome sinner and broken person. And the fact of the matter is, you're just a normal, run-of-the-mill sinner and broken person. We're all that way. 
What's beautiful is when you have an environment where people can be really transparent, then God begins to heal you and God begins to transform you. So you guys need to strive for keeping it real with your own heart, keeping it real as a leadership team, keeping it real with the relationships so that people can buy in to the authenticity and the freedom. The secret to, get, or the secret to getting rid of your brokenness is to get rid of your secrets. Amen. Look at what the Bible says this, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other, after all. So when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Isn't that powerful? Look at Romans chapter 12. Love from the very center of who you are. Don't fake it. The Passion Translation says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Isn't that powerful? I don't know about you, but when I'm surrounded with people that are sharing their stuff, it causes me to have a higher esteem for them than a lower esteem. Now, let me give you an example. I was doing a discipleship group with a bunch of great guys, and we, we, the second month we meet, we, we tell our stories. It's a testimony night. We, we tell our stories, and I model it by beginning, and I just share my life. I tell them, I'm just going to be real and tell you all, all, all my life and my struggles, my victories, my, my struggles. So this young man starts off next. He says, let me tell you about my early days. He said, I remember sitting in a uh, type of a medical office type place where it was, they were doing paternity tests. On his right was his mother. On his left was a man who was trying to figure out if he was his dad or not. He sat there the whole time with his arms folded with dark sunglasses on, looking ahead, not paying any attention to this boy or not paying any attention to the, to the woman, all right? And when the doctor came out or the nurse or whomever came out with the test results, they said, yes, indeed, that's your father. You know what this man's response was when he found out that that son was his son? He got up in a fit of anger, did not say anything to the boy, said nothing to, to the mother, stormed out of the office, and never showed up again. That was that young man's introduction to his father. And when he shared that, it broke my heart. And he was talking about growing up, longing for a father, longing for love, longing for acceptance, and that was his introduction to what a father was like. So when this young man asked me to be a spiritual father to him, do you know that was one of the greatest compliments I think I've ever received in my life? Because when I see him on Sunday, he's got a beautiful wife, he's got a beautiful little daughter, he's a police officer, and you know what? The inheritance that he received from his father who rejected him is not the inheritance that he's walking in. And when I, when I see where he came from, it gives me such a sense of, of compassion for him and such a sense of spiritual pride for him that he is overcoming by the grace of God where he came from because he's been honest with his brokenness. And here's the beauty of it. When you're honest with your brokenness, God surrounds you with friends who speak into your area of brokenness and who compliment you in areas where you lack. Amen. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. So you can either be a fakey church, or you can be a real church. You can either be a put-together poser church, or you can just be a normal broken church hospital where Jesus loves to come and heal people. That's the choice that we have. Let me quickly go to point number three. You have a choice to either take the shortcut or the long road. You can take the easy way, or you can take the hard way. You can choose the path of least resistance, 
or you can choose the path of God's will. How many of you have figured out, especially married couples, good relationships take two things. They take time and they take consistency. They don't happen overnight, but they can be destroyed in an instant when conflicts rise. And can I just tell you, we live in, a, we live in an, an abortion culture where relationships are throwaway relationships. We live in a divorce culture where we'll, we'll discard covenant relationships. And something should be different about the church of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you. We are not about throwaway relationships. How many of you figured out, if, how many of you are born again in this room? Wave at me if you're born again. Look around. Look around while we do that. Because here's the reality of the situation. You're going to spend eternity with everybody in this room and a whole lot more people. So this is what I tell our folks. We better figure this out now. This life is for learning how to love one another, even in the midst of our imperfection and brokenness. Why does God put me in a relationship with my wife? To teach me what his covenant love is. And here's what his covenant love is. He says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Do you know in the church, we should have relationships that are based on those two things. I'm not going anywhere, and I'll never do you wrong. I'll always have your back. What would it be like to be in a church that was deeply committed to relationships? Now, I remember a while back in our church, we were going through some internal strife among, among people, and, uh, and there was a situation where people who had known my mom and dad for 30 years just up and left the church. Now, they never gave one reason for why they left. They never even gave my mom and dad the courtesy of a meeting. They just left. And let me tell you something about these types of folks. When you go up to people that left, they'll usually tell you something like this. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just felt led. You know, we just feel. I had an angel show up in my room. I was caught up in the third heaven. And then I cut through all of that stuff, and I just say, who offended you? Oh, no, I'm, no, we're not offended. Oh, oh, yeah, you are. Oh, no, we just feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, you don't. Who offended you? Because people don't leave healthy relationships because they had an angelic visitation. You leave healthy relationships because you got ticked off. But you're such a poser, you don't have the courage to go there because you don't want to deal with the source of the conflict, so you just leave. And let me just tell you, men do this all the time. How many of you know, you don't know you have a pastor, man, until your pastor speaks into your life and challenges you to grow in an area you need to grow, and then I'll tell you whether or not he's your pastor or not, because most men run. Most men run when you start getting close to the issue that God's trying to address in their lives. And I'll just say this too, even in marriage relationships, most men run because there's a situation, you're married to the person who loves you the most and who knows the most about you, and when she speaks to you, instead of receiving that as wisdom coming from someone who loves you for your good to grow you up and to help you become better, you get offended and pout and want to leave the relationship because you're taking the shortcut. And listen, if you live on shortcut relationships, you'll be a lonely, lonely person the older you get. 
You'll spend the rest of your life alone. That's what happens to people who take shortcuts. Stay on the super highway of life-giving relationships. Quit looking for the off-ramp. Just determine you're going to get on I-65, and you're going to head north until you hit the Crown Point exit, and then we can fellowship with you, all right? That's what heaven looks like. Get on I-65, keep driving north. Someday, you'll land at Crown Point. That's how this thing works. We're going to get on the kingdom of God, super highway. We're going to keep loving people all the way to the end. We're going to realize relationships are messy. I shared first service. And I, got, I got five minutes? I got five minutes? All right. I shared first service. I just had coffee with a guy who his son and one of my daughters uh, started having a relationship. And let's just say it didn't end well. Now, how many of you know that's awkward? Because I'm the pastor, he goes to our church, and he told me, he said, I'm having a hard time coming to church. I feel like our family just needs to leave to make things easier. I said, make things easier. I said, the fact that our kids had a relationship that didn't work out does not change my relationship with you or your family or your your son. I still love your son, even though I didn't like what he did, but I still love your son. We kept loving each other. And we just chose to forgive. In fact, when we met in our office, uh, he was overwhelmed by the fact that we would choose to forgive and just move on and keep, and how about this, keep believing the best about people. We sat down just this last week, and I looked at him, and I said, you know what? I'm blessed by your friendship. And you know what? I'm sure glad when things got messy and awkward, we had to deal with some issues. I'm sure glad that you didn't cut and run. I'm glad that you stayed. Because you ready for this? Last Sunday or the Sunday before last, my daughter's on the keyboards playing and leading worship, and his son is on stage helping lead worship. Because here's what we did. Here's what we did. We chose to act like Jesus at church. And can I just say something else? If his family would have cut and run, the message he would have sent to the next generation is whenever things get messy, we just need to leave and go somewhere else. Running from your problems and running from relationships is the worst thing you can do. You're either going to have a long-term commitment or you're going to be someone that's constantly looking to short circuit, looking for the easy way out. Don't do that. One of the signs of health is when I can look out here and see men in this room and women in this room that have served this couple for 20 years, 30 years. You can't replace relationships like that. I'm watching you guys up here leading worship. Last time I was here, you guys were leading worship. Consistency, faithfulness, love, loving the body, putting roots down, even in difficult times, refusing to be uprooted. That's what the body of Christ gets to model. It's awesome. Let me quickly end uh, with this last point. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Here we go. Point number four. Here's the fourth choice. Are you going to choose comfort or are you going to choose change? Comfort or change? How many know the Bible says, I will, Jesus said, I will, I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you can expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, this is awesome. If overflowing is at the ed- edge of the stage and I'm right here, how many of you know I never move to a place of overflow until I'm willing to change? As soon as you stop changing, you stop growing. So you're either going to be comfortable staying where you're at, dig your feet in, or you're going to embrace change. 
The only thing that causes change in our lives is pain. You'll never change when you see the light. You only change when you begin to feel the heat of what you're going in, what you're living in. Let me end with this. Who in your life is there that can give you the last 10% about what you need to go to the next level? I hope you have relationships with people who love you enough that they can tell you the truth. We like to say the final 10%. Who can give you the final 10%? And I like to challenge men with this. If you were to die today and you had to pick, prior to, prior to your death, you had to pick six guys, pallbearers, to carry your casket, close friends, people who knew you and loved you. If I told you right now you got 30 seconds, write down the name of those six men. Do you know that there would be men that would be having a real hard time with that? And how many of you know that's a problem? There should be at least six people in all of our lives who people would know us and love us who can tell us the truth about ourselves in encouraging ways, uplifting ways, but can speak the truth to us. Because we want people in our lives that will help us change because we're not trying to live in the comfort zone. In fact, can I tell you this last story? We had a lady come to our church. She's sitting in our new members class, and I always ask people, why are you here, and, and uh, how'd you get here, and what do you love about the church? This is what she said. I've never forgotten this. I, w- I wish there were more people like her. She said, yeah, we went to visited like three or four churches in town, and they're all good churches. We, worship was good, and the word was real strong. We felt totally comfortable. And then she said, but we want to come to Living Stones because when we come here, we feel totally uncomfortable. And I started laughing, like, is that a compliment or what? But this is what, this is what she meant. I don't want to go to an environment where I'm never challenged to grow. I don't want to go to a place where we just go through the motions and everybody's just comfortable. I want to go to a place where the Word of God brings conviction in my life. I want to go to a place that's going to challenge me to go higher, to go farther. I want, I want to go to a place where there's always more to experience of the Lord. But many people sell out. They're like, nah, I'm just going to play it safe. Don't be the kind of person that stays comfortable when God's offering us so much more. So four choices. You can do it alone. You can do it with others. Let me encourage you, do it with others. You can be a fake or you can be real. Always go for real, amen? You can take shortcuts all your life or you can choose to take the long road. Stay on the road. Be patient with people. Work on relationships. You're getting ready for heaven. And number four, you can live in the comfort zone or you can choose to embrace change. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these challenges, Lord. I just pray that this environment will continue to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for a church family that's willing to to run hard after Jesus and run hard after the promise of fullness. Lord Jesus, don't let us be comfortable. Don't let us be quitters. Don't let us be uh, shortcut takers, Lord. Don't let us be loners. Don't let us be off by ourselves doing our own thing. Father, knit this body together. Unify them. Let the presence of God powerfully fall on this place. Lord, let there be people that are drawn from the north, the south, the east, 
east, the west. God, to this campus is overflowing. Thank you for the vision for new facilities. Thank you for the vision to move onward. Thank you for the vision, God, to reach other communities surrounding this area, Lord. Thank you that this is a vision to move forward in faith. And Lord, I pray that folks would literally lock their arms together, lock their arms together like, like a team, that they're going to move forward in unity. Lord, that you would cause the anointing to fall as the unity deepens. Lord, keep their hearts united. We rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. You'll not come and bring unity, uh, disunity and strife. But Lord, we thank you. The Holy Spirit's going to produce supernatural affection for one another and for Jesus. Lord, I just pray that anybody in this place today that doesn't know you, that you're literally inviting us into friendship with yourself. So, Lord, I pray today that, that there might be someone here that says, I don't know Christ. Well, today is the day for you to come to know him. And someone be glad to introduce you to him before you leave. So, Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. I thank you for the covenant relationships between us and our church family and between these beautiful people here at Liberty. Lord, bless them. Bless them, bless them, Father, with more of you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Pastor Keith. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Hey, how many glad you come to church today, amen? What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And let me just encourage you, we are better together, amen? And we got to be intentional, and we got to be on purpose, and we got to be willing to work through the difficult times to enjoy the good times together. Amen. So we love you guys, and uh, as Dr. Ron shared this morning, uh, we are a covenant. And what that simply means is we're in this thing together. Amen. And we're going to find a way. When you're in covenant with each other, you find a way to work it out. Amen. You find a way to come out on the other side and know that God always has a plan. And if we'll submit to that plan, amazing things will happen. We love you guys so much. We're so thankful to be a part of an amazing life-giving church with life-giving relationships. If you've not taken that first step to get connected into our uh, ministries, into our small groups, I would encourage you in just two weeks. Two weeks from today is our connection track, and you can get connected that first Sunday of the month. We'd love to introduce you. We'd love to get to know you better. We want to get you connected so you can begin to build those life-giving relationships because the long haul is worth it. Amen. Isn't it good to be living life together and serving God and building the kingdom? What a blessing it is. Well, God bless you today. We love you. Let's give Dr. Ron and Mary one more round of applause. We're going to be slipping them out the back door here to head toward Holly Pond, so they're not going to be available right now, but you can pray for them. You can reach out to them on social media if you want to give them an encouraging word, bless them in some way. But we love you guys. Thank you for being here. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Amen.